I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. You wanted more? Here's season four. It's the Connor and Smith Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Guys, girls, they, them, anybody who is listening to us. That's right. We are, uh, we just watched the latest and just like that tonight. So we're still kind of discussing that. But that's really beside the point. Uh, What we really want to bring to you today is an interview with Frank Britton. Frank is beloved Helen Hayes award-winning actor in the D.C. area. Um, We were so thankful to talk to him. So excited. And, um, you know, we had started saying we'll just do one episode a week. We now have a backlog and just want to basically, I don't want to sit on these wonderful interviews. I want to get them out there. Um, So we're going to take a break and we will be right back. Steven? Can you hear me? I sure can. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm doing good. And yourself? I'm good. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey, Matt. I always act like I'm on Fallon. <laughs> I don't know why I sing the Jimmy Fallon theme song. We're probably going to get sued. Probably. I have like $25. Yeah. <laughs> so... Where are you, Frank? I'm in Northwest of D.C. Northwest, for people who don't know where Northwest is, give us um, a monumental landmark uh, sightseeing tour of where what, where what that means. Is that the cathedral side? A little further down. I'm in Adams Morgan. Ah, yes. Wait, Adams Morgan, that's where they, uh, the, there used to be like a very famous, um, Mural wasn't it like a painted mural. Marilyn Monroe is I don't know. No, that's not there. What 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 is is there a famous mural? Um, am I you, thinking of a or of Madam's organ? I think you you might be thinking of Madam's organ. The one mural that I'm you know very familiar with is the one on U Street. Yeah, um, there might have been a mural up here at one time, but. Um, since I've been up here, I haven't seen it. The funny thing is, <laughs> I'm actually from this neighborhood. And uh, I'm the building that I currently reside in is directly across the streets from the building I lived in when I was born. Wow. So you're a Washingtonian. Oh, through and through. Wow. So do you, you have most of your... Um, your most of your relatives here in this area? Oh yes, I you know I was born here in D.C. and raised in both D.C. and spent uh, the rest of my formative years in Hinesville, Maryland. My uh, and then I moved back to D.C. proper almost uh, twenty five years ago. So I lived more of my life in D.C. than anywhere else. And I you know I lived in D.C. until I was eight, and then we moved literally a step over the border <laughs> into Maryland, and um, spent my remaining formative years there. And then once I was early, early adulthood, I moved back. And um, 
Uh, my family, my maternal side of the family is extremely small. Uh, so it was just all of us here. And um, my father's side, which is rather large, they're local as well. Um, so they're kind of scattered about. I think most of them are in Maryland now. I was going to say Adams Morgan, the home of the world famous Jumbo Slice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's still there. Oh, I know. I Anytime that I have... Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that I worked at uh, DCAC, I would... I would uh, get a jumbo slice to get me through the show. Ooh, I think I did jumbo slice once, and I had done a handful of shows at DCAC over the years, and I I love that space, and I, had I worked with like several different companies over the years, and and uh, yeah, that's a that's such a cute spot. Um, but I think I went <laughs> to jumbo slice only once um, because it's always packed. It's always well, packed. let's create the jumbo slice food truck and we will show up at the theaters at 11 o'clock <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god i love working at the dcac is it still in operation or is it done i think it's still i believe it's still in operation that's uh, good the last time i was there was in 2018 it was late 2018 and a friend of mine a good friend of mine had his solo cabaret show there and uh, that was the last time i was there but uh, I've been, I've walked by there recently from what I can see or could see. It's, I believe it's still running. It's such a unique space with the art gallery, mm -hmm. uh, the lobby, and then you, the kind of inside outside stair work to get into the theater space. Um, right. Isn't that fascinating? I always thought that, that that trip was always kind of cool. You know, you're up in the gallery and then you go down the two flights of stairs and then you're in the, uh, the cute space in the back. Mm. And and the gallery makes for such a great place to have a post-show party. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, this is yeah, not but the first time you go there, you wonder where the hell you am do. I going to? Am I going to get trapped <laughs> in here? Yeah. <laughs> and you get to be really friendly with the rats in the back alley. Oh, yes. You hear them clawing at the door when you're, uh. because you know the back area, that's your dressing room. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, so you, so you hear them, you know, clawing and pawing at the door. And, you know, the, the thing is with DC rats, they won't bother you if you don't bother them. Yeah. They're, they're actually as intelligent as they can be. They're also rather bold. They can cross in front of you while you're walking down the street. Or over and, your boots. Or the over rats? your boots. Over your boots with no qualms at all. And they just keep going. You know, I think we have solved something here tonight. I don't know why these people keep searching for a football team name. I think the DC Rats. I think oh, the DC Rats would work. I don't think we would last against the New York Rats. You know. Yeah, because anytime you see the uh, rats with a jumbo slice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I I remember going up. I did a <laughs> week of a workshop thing in New York uh, in like 2014 and. A rat ran across my boot on the way to rehearsal, and I was just like, no, no, this is just not all right. <laughs> I should have reminded myself it's just like working at DCAC, but, you know, um, wildlife. See, bold. Uh, they bold. learned how to coexist with. Bold. You know, how one, they... <laughs> at, at one point, there was a place in the world where they were trying to get rid of the rats. So if you came in with a tail of a rat after you killed it, you would get money. Oh, oh. 
Wow. And so you know what people started doing? What? They started breeding the rats. Oh, uh, cutting off their tails and so they end up with more rats with no tails oh god a hustle human nature anyway what are we talking about dc rats oh. <laughs> i thought this was supposed to be an interview with frank not it is but we're talking all things dc and adams morgan to start um frank um I, we we know you as a professional actor but i'm sure there's a lot of Growing up that you've done uh, different jobs and different things that you've um, encountered growing up. Start us on your you know journey as a youngster when you kind of became enlightened to take journey and, and what things have you um, through encountered growing up? Well, my artistic journey uh, was kind of it started early. And it was uh, while I was in elementary school, I started training on the violin. See, I wanted to be a film composer long before I became an actor. Wow. And that, uh, you know, and I had my my training was very um, truncated. I never became proficient in musical notation. I wish I had been. And... um, I didn't, you know, the training on the violin, that was in second grade, and then that stopped, and then I didn't pick up another instrument until the piano in high school, and uh, in all that time, I never thought about acting. I loved acting because I grew up in front of television, I went to plays as a kid, and, you know, went to the movies all the time, so I, I was always aware, and when I was about 19... 19, almost turning 20, I said, you know, and I was training. Uh, I was training with a piano teacher because I wanted to go uh, to the Berkeley, to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. That was my goal, uh, to study film composing. And I was training with a teacher privately here in town. And one day I just said, you know, maybe I should train for an acting career and see where that takes me. And um, I took a three-month course. The first class I ever took, acting class, was a three-month course at Shakespeare Theatre Company. This was uh, 22 years ago. Wow. And it was a Saturday morning class for three months. And I had a great time. Didn't know anything going into class. <laughs> Didn't know anything. So I, so what the, I look back you know and you know in retrospect i look back and i go i didn't know anything going into the you know going into that class and but i learned a lot and um after that was over i i said you know i want to continue training so i found through the paper this wasn't even on i didn't even go through the internet i went through the newspaper and uh, in the Washington Post, and I saw that the National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts in Georgetown was having an open house. And then I started doing just a little research on the school, not a, not a whole lot. Went to the open house, and and I loved it. And so then, maybe about a couple of weeks after that, I auditioned, got in, did the two-year program, graduated 20, almost 21 years ago now. Yes. At uh, uh, NCDA, and it was uh, 21 years ago, almost almost 20. It'll be 22 this year. Uh, years ago this year that I graduated from there. Uh, I'm sorry, 21 years. Pardon me. And uh, I did the two-year program, and four months 
later I went professional. But in those four months, I was returning to the school, appearing in rehearsal projects with the other students as a guest artist. And, uh, the f and that was at the end of 2001. And January 2002, I signed my very first professional contract. This past weekend, I celebrated 20 years in the business as a professional. Ooh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. I, I couldn't, you know, I'm so proud of myself, you know, for sticking with it, staying on the journey for, and I'll be on it for forever, for as long as I can do it. And um, yeah, I, I was like, wow, reaching that milestone is really cool. And then next week, I begin rehearsals uh, for my uh, show at Imagination Stage. And it's a musical, and I haven't done a musical in five years, and I love musicals, so I'm really excited. Was the last musical you did Floyd Collins? No, the last musical I did was actually at Imagination Stage. It was a, a world premiere musical by Samayani24 called The Freshest Snow White. It was his hip-hop take on Snow White. And this one is um, Pinocchio, a hip-hop musical, which was produced by Imagination Stage about 10 years ago this year. Yeah. Uh, so they're bringing it back. And uh, but Floyd Collins was my first musical ever, my first out and out musical. I had appeared in plays with music over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in terms of out and out musical where you're singing from a libretto and a book that it was Floyd Collins. And I knew that you were involved in that production. Mm -hmm, that was so much fun. I had such a great time. Um, so, so going back to something you said, you, you, you originally wanted to be a, like a film scorer, right? Like, a, yes. what, a John Williams. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that because of our mutual love of film? Like, I, I, just... think, I think so. I think, you know, I, cause the one who started it all for me, uh, the composer who started it all for me, surprisingly, wasn't John Williams, even though I love him. You know, I grew up, you know, with Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, all the Indiana Jones movies, Superman. But the two that started me on that journey, uh, the two geniuses were Jerry Goldsmith and Ennio Morricone. Yes, yes. Uh, how that all began, I think I've told this story maybe once in another podcast I did uh, some time ago. But I was watching... Uh, Planet of the Apes on television. It was like an afternoon, and it was in 1984, and I was I was about five, and I remember it was the hunt scene where uh, Charlton Heston and his astronauts are running through the fields, and you see the ape soldiers on horseback, and you hear this piano just going, this this piano, and then when the camera pans, and you see the first shot of the apes the music gets really savage and it gets really raw and you hear what sounds like a ram's horn. It's a ram's horn. And uh, to signify the, um, the appearance of the apes. And I was just enthralled by it. I was like, what is this? You know, being, and I didn't know I was that musically inclined at that age, but I knew then how much I loved music. And, and I was like, I, I love this. I love this. So that's what started me on that journey. And, you know, with, um, Jerry Goldsmith and following his work uh, up until his passing and going back and, you know, uh, discovering his older work from the 50s and um, because he passed away in 2004. 
And I, you know, his stuff, I mean, I think he wrote some of the best action music that you'd ever hear in the movie. He wrote for all genres, but um, like his horror music, his action music, his drama music. Um, but yeah, he only won one Oscar and that was for the score to The Omen. Mm. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest film scores of the past 50 years. And, and uh, you know, he scored Poltergeist and the sequel to Poltergeist and uh, the first sequel. And so he's done, he did so many, so many. And I, I just love, 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 love his music. Big on leitmotif. And uh, the way he wrote for strings in his action music. Oh, I, I, it's, it's, a, it was like, Addic you know, just um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so satisfying to my ears. It was a kind of a poignancy and a foreboding with his strings when he wrote for action films and like the way he wrote for percussion and brass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I can, you know me, I can just totally geek out on Goldsmith, um, you know, like the score from Chinatown. Uh, which he wrote in 11 days. He came in and replaced a composer who was fired. And in 11 days, he composed one of the greatest scores of his career Yeah, uh, with that. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Alien. And, you know, uh, you know, it's, I mean, he was just, he was a genius. And, you know, Morricone, same deal. Morricone wanted to have a career like John Cage. He uh, was um, a big admirer of John Cage and a lot of his stuff, you know, his hundreds and hundreds of film scores. He was very, um, you know, his stuff could get very, you know, was very romantic and very dramatic. A lot of his stuff was also very big and very grand and very uh, raw and savage. And, and then there were times when his stuff was really avant-garde and experimental and um and I, I loved him for that and you know the two of them the two of them were so innovative in that way and john williams you know he he is too um you know you look at some of his earlier stuff very innovative i loved his disaster film scores you know towering inferno earthquake poseidon adventure um those those scores very special to me those were even before star wars and uh the, he scored a film back in 1972 about 50 years ago called images it was a robert altman film and it was a psychological thriller with Susanna york the late great Susanna york and that score i mean he had a japanese throat singer uh this I, I believe he was a throat singer or just a singer who was vocalizing on the score was extremely avant-garde and one of and the most avant-garde score in his career uh so you listen to the score it's just it almost is just sound design mm -hmm. and just uh, just noises and it's brilliant brilliant um but you know john williams is the populist composer i always say the populist film composer because he has all of the recognizable themes and the recognizable scores from the big films whereas goldsmith wrote a lot of brilliant wonderful scores for not so good movies mm. i used to take my like boom box and put it near the tv and record different film soundtrack parts. i did that i did that <laughs> like and i would have tapes just full of just sometimes just the audio of a movie if i like the movie so much but i would before i was like you know i didn't have the money to go buy every soundtrack i liked you know but i did have the money to maybe get the vhs tape uh -huh. and if i got that i would record like i remember recording the music from dick tracy oh. um the score you know D danny oakman yeah yep 
And also, I was obsessed with universal horror films when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. So, like, the music from The Mummy, which is really just Swan Lake. Um, uh-huh. Or the music from The Invisible Man. Um, just just so silly, um, but funny. It makes me laugh in retrospect that I, I just was geeking out on the music so much, and it yeah. just moved me and added so much to the the thing but if you didn't become you know a composer for film you certainly have a wealth of knowledge of film composing and composers um (laughs) i have to ask you this is where i want to go back to your journey but this is just something i've always wanted to ask you you are not only a great supporter of uh the arts dc theater family uh, but you're also a great supporter of artists in general you uh post tributes to many uh, a star and artist's uh, birthday where do you have like a database like what what is the generator for you to know when it's whose birthday <laughs> a lot of the time it's in my memory wow it, it's in memory and then i will and then other times i'll check imdb and i'll be like who did i miss today did i, did I miss somebody and it would usually be someone I've done before. Sometimes it may be someone I, whom I love and admire that I've never done before. And, you know, I'll do a shout out. And um, I, I just love, you know, because I love birthdays. Uh, it, it, I love birthdays, uh, you know, in general. But, you know, with, like, artists that I admire, you know, I always think, oh, you'd be cool to, you know, shout them out. And, and you know, the... Uh, most of these folks don't even know I, you know, the the artists. They don't know I'm I do this, uh, unless, uh, you know, I'm friends with a few on Facebook that I've tagged and they've seen it. And uh, in terms of like, you know, like the the big 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 names, but our local our local legends and icons, I you know I'll tag and you know if I I get them on their birthday, you know I I like to surprise folks with that. I never tell mm-hmm. them I'm I never tell them I'm doing it. I'll just like pop you know pop up with it you know be like a surprise and you know just like to show the love just just show the love for for my friends and you know because i love their work too i I go see their work all the time if i if i've worked with them or you know see their work i love their work too so i try to do you know get as many folks in as i can you know if not this year maybe a belated post or i'll get you next year if i didn't get you this time around so i try to make sure i cover folks as much as i can it's it's always i love uh, you know i love all the photos the words anyway it's just something i've always wanted to ask you like at a cocktail party or something but then we went into covid (laughs) so thank you I, i love talking about it because you know i i just started doing that um just really for myself i didn't know it would take take off the way it did and i think with the pandemic it uh, became a bit it became a bit more noticeable i i, I think right and um, because you know we were all in the house and and we were all on social media and um you know i'm i was steering clear of covid and as we all were and so then you know, I, I said, oh, you know, that didn't stop. I'm just going to keep doing my collages and and because uh, I like collaging. I, 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 <laughs> I loved collaging from the time I was a kid and, you know, doing it in school. And then now with, you know, technology, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this pick collage app, you know, hey, I can. Yeah, and I was looking back, looking back on my Facebook, my collage 
game has evolved, which uh, I'm really proud of myself for. <laughs> we've we've all learned new things, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, so, so after the two year program at Georgetown, what happens next to Frank? I went. And, you know, I did the four months of guest artist work at NCDA, so I was still there. And then I went into my first professional show in January of 2002. Which was? Ballad of Yachio by Philip Kangotanda with the long-defunct but dearly missed Tsunami Theater Company. Yes, I remember Tsunami. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, you know, specialized in Asian, Asian-American, Pan-Asian theater. And... um. It was a wonderful time. It was a contemporary play, but it was set. Actually, it was a period play, period piece, uh, because the play was contemporary, but it was set in 1919. And um, I I had a wonderful time with it. And, you know, it was funny because I was the only actor who was not Asian or of Asian descent in the cast. Mm-hmm. Every Because every character in the play was Japanese. but And my director... Uh, Naoko Mashiba is full-blooded Japanese artist with a capital A, capital R, capital T, capital I, S, N, T. And she and she wanted me to come out and audition for this show. And I did, and I had a great time. Um, you know, I, I believe my character was the oldest one in the play, or one of the oldest. And I was the youngest cast member at that time. And uh, and uh, to this day, I still keep in touch with just about everyone from the show uh, 20 years later. And it was such a wonderful time. And uh, then I did another show with them the next season, uh, The Green Stockings by Kobo Abe. And that was um, Japanese absurdism. And that was a that was a great time, too. And there was a, you know, very diverse cast. And. Uh, that was great. That was a great show. I would, I would love to do it again. So I had two great experiences early on in my career with Tsunami. And um, and then they were around, I believe, for a couple of more years. And then they more or less dissolved. Um, but, you know, I most of my career has been with the small professional companies in the DMV. And uh, I couldn't, you know, looking back at my progression, and my evolution as a craftsperson, I, I'm so grateful because I love that journey. I love looking back on my beginnings with that. You know, it's just because I worked and I just put myself out there and, and I'm just so proud of myself for that. And so you, grateful that everyone, you know, folks took a chance with me and brought me on board, you know. You've worked at so many different theaters. Um, knock, on, knock on some good wood. Right, right. Um, it's, it's, it, it would be, it would take three hours to kind of go through your resume because <laughs> yeah. you, you work, you work consistently, um, and it's noticed. And, uh, if you were to take, say, what were the top three shows, top three experiences, roles, whatever, for whatever reason you want to pick it, what, give me your big three. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Uh, I'd say, and these are just three of many top ones. Yeah. Um, Richard III at Avant Bard Theater, which was mm-hmm. which was formerly Washington Shakespeare Company and WSC Avant Bard. Uh, I played Richard III, and that was back in 2010. 
uh, The Last Days of Judas Iscariot at Forum Theater uh, in 2008, twice in 2008, and back again in 2014. I played Pontius Pilate and Uncle Pino, and uh, definitely Jesus Hopped the A-Train. So you have two Stephen Adley Gurgis plays, uh, Jesus Hopped the A-Train at First Stage. That was in 2017. Uh, I'd say those are the three, like, honorable mention. Like, you know, I, definitely another one of my top experiences, truly, truly. Um, two Trains Running at Roundhouse Theater, um, playing uh, Hambone. And um, in A-Train, I played Lucius Jenkins, uh, the death row inmate. Um, two Trains at Roundhouse and then five years later at Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park and Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Um, just four of many, that was like, I had to put that bonus in there, but four, four just many top experiences. Uh, but those definitely stand out for me. Was, wasn't your Helen Hayes for Jesus Hop the A-Train? It was. Yeah, so that was 2018? Yes. Yeah, because I remember being there when you won um, that year. Gosh, it's, it, even thinking of the Helen Hayes Awards feels so like passe at this point, doesn't it? You know, it, I, at one point I was kind of worried because of the pandemic. Yeah. But, but then uh, with Theater Washington, you know, we did them virtually and they, mm -hmm. they asked me to co-present, which was so cool. And because I, I, you know, I had no idea in, <laughs> in my career that I would ever you know, be doing things like that with Theater Washington and the Helen Hayes Awards, you know, the for my very first time, it was in 2013, and I was co-presenting, I was I was asked to be a co-presenter with Juliet Rappaport, uh, Ms. Helen's d granddaughter. And that was a great time. That was so much fun. And we, she and I were both color coordinated in our ensembles. And we had no idea. We, we didn't meet each other until the rehearsal. And we had basically color coordinating outfits. So it was really cool. <laughs> and, and, and then several years later, I was invited to um, co-announce the nominees at the nominations announcement. And, this, and I did that with my dear, dear heart, Ms. Susan Linsky. Yes, and, I love Susan. Yes, yes, love Ms. Susan Linsky. And we uh, co-announced the nominees. And then lo and behold, next year, uh, I was nominated for Adrian. <laughs> and, and then like two years after that, when I earned it, um, I was invited again to be a co-presenter. And this time, I, this was in 2020, and I did it with uh, my, another dear heart of mine, my beloved Naomi Jacobson. Mm. And so we had, we had a great time. We had a great time. And so it didn't feel, you know, because I was wondering at that point, you know, during the pandemic, like, you know, with the hell and like, uh, what's going to happen? And then they said, oh, we're going to do them virtually. And I went, oh, cool. Okay. You know, it's, they're still here. They're still here. And, um, and it felt like a party. I was just sitting at my, <laughs> my dining room table, you know, uh, presenting and co-presenting. And um, it still felt like a party to me. So I was so happy that the community came out again and you know we were able to love on our artists and acknowledge their achievements and it was just a great time matt finally won helen hayes during that pandemic yes yes he and, did and his screen froze when, he, oh. when they were announcing who it was yeah i didn't know oh, who won. oh. <laughs> see that's, that's the whole downside with the technical technological aspect of it but I, you know, I have to say, I enjoyed the 
online awards because for some reason I actually got to see and be more aware of things. I don't know if it's because that evening uh, things just get kind of like, it's just a lot to take in all at once. But I felt like that year I really, um, oh, I also think it was different because they had some uh, someone speaking for each nominee. Yes. Uh, and there was something I got out of it that was just, I don't know, a little bit more meaningful. Uh, it didn't feel quite like it was just a party. Not that it, it was was just a party, but, you know, being amongst a big mob of people in the dark, it, it, it felt like, oh, this is interesting. I can actually watch people's stories. Yeah, it was a bit more personal. Yeah. A bit more intimate, uh, which was really cool. And yeah, yeah. So if anything, that's definitely one. That was definitely one big plus of having them done virtually, uh, because you saw a bit more of the audience. And, and uh, yeah, that that was a, that was. I'm glad you pointed that out, Stephen, because that that was really cool. Yeah. Um. So so what? How? Okay. You you recently had like a a one man show performance is that correct oh gosh uh <laughs> why am i saying oh gosh because i don't talk like that i say oh lord that that's what i normally say <laughs> either are permitted <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm currently i'm actually um uh because i was going to mention this at, at some point or later in the uh, interview i'm currently finishing up um what i consider my final draft uh, for my solo show, I'm still working on it, and I have a hard deadline, which is which is next week, and that's with uh, first stage. Uh, I did a performance of it. It was only it was very much in house, just for my cohort, um, uh, where they heard the whole thing. That I, you know, what I had down on paper, they heard the whole thing up to that point, and that was about a month ago. But back in April of last year. This was for the public where they saw a first look. So every writer, every playwright in the cohorts, there are 11 of us. We each had first looks. So the audience got to um, get a bit of a taste of our shows. And they're all, all 11 of us, they're all very different shows. And they're all wonderful. And all the playwrights. And and I, I tell you, it's been, for me, it's been very challenging, yet very exhilarating and exciting um, because you, my play is going to be, it's a very personal play and it's very much uh, from my own perspective on what I think about a particular subject and that subject is love and my relationship with it. And then so now with my play, it's, putting it out there to the uh, to the world saying like, oh, do y'all relate to this? Can you relate to it? How does it make you feel? You know, your relationship with it. And so it's more like, it, <laughs> it's funny because I wanted to try to incorporate other characters into the play, uh, other voices, but I find with this play, for some reason, I think because of the, the path I've been on with it, it's kind of uh, a challenge to do, but I'll see between this week and next if I can squeeze some things in there. But because, you know, and essentially it just sounds like, you know, for me, it's like a TED Talk. Right. And uh, which is cool because I love TED Talks, but uh, I was like, is it sounding like this? So I'm trying to find 
areas where I can put in a bit more humor because it's a very um, personal and vulnerable piece. And I have no problem with vulnerability. I have no issues with that at all. And But it's funny because I don't present myself like that often mm. in public. Um, on stage, you know, playing a character that has to show vulnerability. Oh, that's that's definitely no issue for me at all. But um, with this show, I'm playing myself. <laughs> so they'll be hearing, you know, Frank's truth and where I am on things. And a lot of it is because, you know, writing about this particular subject, it, it had to be, it had to come with uh, age. And had I been in my 30s, I wouldn't have, I don't think even touched it. Uh, touched the subject. And I said, you know, I had to have some more years on me. I'll be 43 this year. And I said, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've lived and I've been through some things, you know, one of which we all know was very public uh, about eight years ago. And this year, eight years ago this year. So that even is mentioned in the play. Um, but not a whole lot. Uh, at one point, I thought that the entire play was going to be about that. But with some guidance, and some good feedback and some, you know, some constructive uh, criticism and feedback that it, sh you know, it didn't have to be wholly about that. So it, it was this kind of, it's been this kind of journey where things go very nonlinear and non-chronological. And that's cool because I love plays like that. That's a very nonlinear, very, you know, they kind of go out of time and back and forth. And, and so I've been having fun playing with that because I'm just talking and then I'll just like bring up a memory and, and, um, you know, I just lost, uh, you know, I didn't tell many people this, but I had lost uh, two relatives towards the end of the year last year uh one on my maternal side it was an aunt with whom i was very close and the other was a cousin on my paternal side of the family and um and you know so that's that's going to be mentioned as well because i i loved my cousin even though i didn't know her very well uh i knew her i knew her you know because they all that side of the family y'all they all know me and and i i know all of them but i didn't see her um I didn't, uh, I didn't see her, but my, but I talked to her every now and again on social media and uh, my aunt, um, I, you know, I'd known her since birth, you know, I grew up with her and, and, um, and then we lost her suddenly at the end of September last year. And um, so, you know, just dealing with how love, you know, go, you know, with love and grief and how that goes hand in hand and, you know, with the people that we lose and the people that we love that we lose, so I'm trying to find ways to um, put that on paper as we speak. So I'm spending the rest of the week just hashing that out. And then I'll be typing it up and getting that into the final draft. So there's so many things, you know, with me that I've experienced that um, I can share with the world um, because I'm not very I'm not a very open person when it comes to that like you know so i'm not so readily open with things like that but you know i would have no problem telling you but um you know with this play i think you know it'd be very much me at my most personal or, or one of the most personal you know aspects about me what's your zodiac sign frank i'm on the cusp i'm a virgo leo okay so your birthday is when august august, august 23rd 
Okay, I'm a cancer. So so you're never going to catch up to me, see. You're you're about to be 43. I'm about to be 44. I knew we were summer birthday twins. Uh-huh. <laughs> um uh, so I'm older, I'm wiser. I will always beat you, Tina. <laughs> um I I had a question about something speaking of being vulnerable and something very public. So I, I for those who don't know um who maybe met Frank after this or whatever. Uh, Frank suffered a very brutal attack uh, in 2014 um, on the, by the Metro, correct? At the Metro stop? Correct. It was at the Cab Bay, which is no longer there. Uh, it was the Cab Bay at the Silver Spring Metro Station. And the whole community uh, of DC theater artists and theaters and everyone besides them uh, came around Frank um, in, we see Frank, we had um, in 2003, our house burnt down uh, and we had the entire area like came together, like it was a wonderful life. And, and, you know, whether it was furniture or gift cards or cash or whatever, um, basically gave us a second start. Mm. Um, so when I see moments like that, I recognize it and I, I get taken back to that. Mm-hmm. And you you definitely had that it's a wonderful life kind of moment through this horrific thing that you don't need to give any more airtime to. But I, I would like you to speak on the response from the community because it was beautiful, your response. And and it, it just showed the best of D.C. really it- as the theater community. It truly did. And, you know, with the, the coverage that, uh, that happened with that, it showed nationwide how wonderful the D.C. theater community is and how special the D.C. theater community is. And, how there's, you know, that we do look out for our own. We do, you know, I, I didn't expect anything like that to happen to me because had I not been in the show at that time, if I was just, you know, just coming from work or something and uh, from my survival gig and that happened to me, I probably wouldn't have told anyone. Mm. I just dealt with it. And I, you know, with this hat, when this happened, because uh, once I told uh, two of my best friends and, you know, when I was in the hospital and then they told the theater company and then it spread like that. And the next thing I know, I'm in another hospital room because I was out from the morphine. I woke up and, um, you know, then there was a, a parade of friends. I was surrounded. And so it was just I woke up to love. And yeah. and it was just like, wow, you know, just seeing, you know, I was seeing videos from from uh, casts from shows around town making videos for me. You made a video for me. I had seen a number of them while I was in the hospital and I I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I'm still, I'll spend the rest of my natural life, you know, wrapping my head around that because, um, you know, they, they say, you know, the love you put out is the love you get back. I didn't really think that you know i'm just a person that just loves to give love that's that's just how i've always been you know not ever you know thinking you know something was going to come into you know come in return it's it's just how i've been i just love to give love and i mentioned that in the play uh that i'm writing that you know i'm i it's just a and i have a very complicated relationship with love itself as i think we all do 
And but in this particular instance, when you have the love of community, and you know, because I just love supporting and <laughs> supporting my people, and, and you know, us as artists, you know, I I love uplifting other artists, other voices, other marginalized voices, you know, voices that we don't get to hear from that we should hear from. Yes. You know, even more often on a daily basis, you know, that that's very important to me. You know, being an, being a black actor or an actor who happens to be black, that it's, it's very important to me that I uplift the black and brown voices and the, and the voices of people of color, you know, and I try my best to, you know, be the best ally I can, you know, for the trans community, for the non-binary community, for, for anyone who, you know, needs that representation. I try my best to, you know, uplift, you know, so that's, that's pretty much what I'm about. In addition to, <laughs> you know, um, loving my work as an actor and getting to, tackle all these different types of plays and different types of theater. And, you know, I've done everything from musical theater to guerrilla theater to avant-garde theater to Shakespeare, August Wilson. I tell you, Stephen and Matt, I've been very blessed and very fortunate on that end. And uh, I just want to keep doing it. I just want to keep doing it. I love doing it. I, I love your, I love your love. Um, and I, I, I remember everyone changed their profile pictures to uh, "Is Chai Latte Day. <laughs> um, so when you were, if you lived in DC and you were an artist, that's all you saw was that picture. And it, it was just an a, amazing um, response to hate. You know what I mean? It was the opposite of what happened to you. It truly was. And, you know, as as I've gotten older and the years have gone on, you know, I still think about what happened, you know, the, the event itself. But I, at one point, I was almost, for me, I was almost in danger of letting it consume my life. And knowing me and how resilient I am, naturally, as a person, I, I, that fear crept in where I was like, is this, I, I can't define my life by this now. That's not going to happen. So I'm just going to keep soldiering on and pushing through. Um, and, you know, and that with the resilience, you have the love and then you have the support of, of folks keeping you buoyed and keeping you um, up. And that I tell you, I recovered much, much faster physically because of the love I got from everyone. Mm -hmm. And I say emotionally, too, to a degree. Um, but then, you know, when things kind of subsided, um, you know, I was left to deal with lots of things, you know, just on my own. And that's, you know, it just came with the territory in that regard. But um, I tell you, the the love from the community and beyond, that helped me heal quicker. And I got back to my show <laughs> two weeks after two weeks of being away. I came back and did the closing week. And because I was determined to finish my show and because um, and I wanted to get back like a couple days after. But they said, oh, no, you have to have surgery. And so I had, you know, the facial reconstructions and, and I was like, OK, OK. So so I spent a week convalescing and I said, OK, I'm going back to my show. I'm, I'm going back. And um, and by then my face wasn't fully healed at all at that time. But I was still able to speak and um and I, and I came back and did my thing, and that made the news even <laughs> as well, because, uh, 
the closing week wound up selling out. And so that uh, it was it was kind of a surreal experience in a way, because I'm just I consider myself a very unassuming person. You know, I like to just kind of hang in the back. And that's always been my thing. You know, I, you, you'll see me at the party or at a function all the time. And but I just like just kind of hang and just be there. You know, I, I I'm not one that, you know, put, who puts himself in the forefront of things. But when that happened, because of that unfortunate circumstance that, um, you know, I was like, wow, OK, uh, how do I embrace it? How do I handle it? How do I accept it? You know, and because it was so much love coming my way that I was like, it was wonderfully overwhelming. But it was like, oh, okay, how do I harness it and live in it and experience it and just love it? You know, and so that I learned, uh, you know, uh, even more about myself with that experience that, you know, even though, even though I was someone who always loved and loved to give love, but when so much love comes your way, you know, I, and I was like, at one point I said, do I deserve this? Mm. Am I worthy of this? What did yes. I, and I go, what did I do? What did what did I do? So I, but then I had to get out of that way of thinking immediately and say, Frank, you need to shut the hell up and you know, and just and just embrace it, just accept it. And because it's because you got that because of who you are. I'm sure people who go through something like that probably it it can define them. It can uh, take over PTSD, uh, anxiety. It can just kind of take over everything. But I, instead of letting it define you, I think you let the love that came to you define you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, because it's, I didn't want it to get, I didn't want it to have that negative turn that it could potentially take, you know, dealing with the, you know, the PTSD from it, I'm sure. I was never formally diagnosed, but I'm sure I went through periods of that. I'm, I'm totally sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, with me, I <laughs> I even got the word, well, actually the Latin word for, where, the Latin root word of resilience, which is resili, I got that tattooed on me. Because I said, that's actually, because that, that I'm, that's totally me. I've, I've always thought I was a very resilient person. And I still am. Uh, the stuff I went through even before that attack and, you know, in my life and things. That, and these are all things that were just personal, just personal things. And, um, you know, that's why I love I love people and I love <laughs> interacting with people. That's why I love being an actor, because I get to talk to people. And, and so besides the new work, which is huge in and of itself, Mm-hmm. Um, what is, I mean, hopefully uh, things are, are shifting, spikes are dropping, and we'll have a somewhat somewhat normal-ish, new normal-ish spring and summer. Um, what What is life like on the horizon for you, Frank? Uh, I don't know after Pinocchio, but I'm hoping that um <laughs> that that folks put me back on their stages you know I, I, you invite me to come audition i'll be there um I'm, so i'm hoping just to keep working that that's essentially it and how can people follow you frank um you can follow me on oh i have oh i finally have a website oh thank, do tell 
thanks to my dear my dear host Ben Lurie. Ben Lurie. Oh yeah, Ben. Yep, he um, created my website. Y'all contact Ben if you want a website because the website it looks fabulous. And uh, my website is www.frankbrittonactor.com. Uh, I'm also very active on the Instagrams. Uh, my handle there is Frank Britton Actor. Uh, very original. I just, <laughs> I just keep doing Frank Britton Actor. And also, of course, on the Facebooks. Um, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, you can. There are only maybe about 50 Frank Brittons on Facebook, I think. As far as I know, so I, but you see the one with the peanut head and the smile, and that's me, and that's <laughs> so that's where those are the three areas where you can find me. Um, but yeah, that that's so I'm just hoping, you know, I, I need to get, you know, I need to be more um, productive with the self tapes. I'm still learning when in terms of like self tapes for auditions. I'm still kind of adapting to that in some way because I'm so used to. I'm so used to being in the room and auditioning, uh, which is my preferred method. But given, you know, the state of things now that, uh, you know, I said I have to adapt to the, the self-tape. So I'm buying a backdrop, a tripod, everything. Yeah. Uh, I already have like a handful of ring lights. <laughs> so that um, and, and then I've done a few self-tapes over time, over the pandemic, which I was like, oh, OK, this is cool. This is cool. But, you know, with me and self-tapes, it's like the one that, you know, there's a plus because you have that power of you know doing as many takes as you want if you didn't feel satisfied with what you had done but then at the same time you're you're, you're content for me you're continually i'm continually second guessing myself and i'm like is this take good okay and then i learned at some point i was like okay i'm gonna do this many takes and then i'm gonna pick one and then send it off <laughs> And, and and just hope for the best. And just know? hope and just hope for the best. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your one man show, and I I I, I love um, the the outlets that any of us are lucky enough to have as writers to do original work is really important. Um, is as even just like a, a cultural like um, capsule time capsule of like where we are you know, mm -hmm. at any given point in society. Um, and I love that the DC area is so rich with that and with new work. And it really just says a lot about our community and who we are. And I'm, I'm excited to hear your voice on the, the writing end for, yes. for the first time. Oh, thank you. I, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of nervous about it, but at the same time, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> it's it's like Little Red once said in uh, uh, Into the Woods, you're excited and scared, and that's a great place to be. Yep, yep. Well, we love you, Frank. Um, please have a great evening, and we will hopefully see you in person soon somewhere. Yes, yes. You know, I'm I'm around, so you know, I I come in there with my my KN95, <laughs> my standard <laughs> issue. That's right. Yes. All right, my friend. Be well. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you, Stephen Young. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Our love pleasure. to you. Lo see you. Love y'all. Bye. Bye now. Thank you, Frank, so much for talking to us. We loved spending time with you. And we love your inspiration for 
um, being an artist, being true, and being so loved by the DC community. And also your appreciation for other artists, which is all we try to do here on The Connor and Smith Show. We try to tell stories and open the mic for other people to share their stories. We're really appreciative of you for spending your time. So thank you so much. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Frank. Um, in the meantime, if you guys want to, guys, girls, they, them, anybody want to learn more about us, please follow us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. Follow us on Facebook under Connor and Smith, again with an ER. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Please, if you like what you heard, share it with your followers or wherever you share things. Um, Matt, uh, there's a snowstorm coming. Did you know that? I'm nervous. Are you? I don't think it's really anything to be nervous about after the really bad snowstorm we had January 3rd. We'll be okay. We will be okay. It's going to get cold, but hey, everybody, take heart. It's going to be 55 by a week from today, which is Thursday. So you're listening to this on Friday. Within a week, it's going to be 55. So take heart. Um, At any rate, uh, thank you for letting us vary your day. We love you. And um, do we have a phrase that we said? Um... Take heart, take more, it's season four. <laughs> okay. No? That's, That's great. That's not it. No, it's, it, we're workshopping it. We're workshopping yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we love you all. Have a great day. Love you. Bye.